from the ashes, friends. It's time to return to a time where two men who were grown almost in their 30s discussed extremely nerdy subjects, one of them on the light side, the other on the dark. This is King of the Shell. I am, of course, your host, Terry, the King of the Shell. That's me, I'm TJ. Why would you blow it? Why would you blow it on the first day coming back? That is TJ, of course, who is the worst human being I've ever met in my life. How are you, TJ? I'm doing all right. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Okay. We are thinking about calling this resurgence, but we're back, man. We are back. Basically, what ended up happening, just so everybody knows, is this takes time to edit, and I'm a busy, important person and didn't have the time to do it. Uh, But now we're back because we are coming at this thing. Because something huge happened last night, and that was the season six finale of Game of Thrones. Just so you guys have a little timestamp, it was so good it brought us back to the pod. Terry, why? Why did it bring it? What are we going to talk about, man? Well, I mean, is it new show, new status quo, where I... uh, Explain what we're going to talk about. Okay. Topics today. The first thing we're going to talk about is Game of Thrones. We're going to run it down the whole season six. It was an amazing season. Had an awesome ending, and we are super excited uh, to talk to you guys about it. I'm just going to adjust myself a little bit. And the cool thing about today is also we are just outside of E3, and the only thing worth talking about at E3 was Zelda, baby, which wasn't even there. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. There was so much at E3, man. Are you sure? Because it looked like a whole bunch of shit to me. Wrong. Which is weird. I'm on the other side. The other thing we're going to talk about is top three favorite books. Yeah. Uh, I'm the kind of guy who uh, reads books, and uh, I challenged Terry to, you know, discuss our favorite books. It's going to be a kind of minimal discussion because we are definitely going to run down Season 6 of Game of Thrones. That's what we're basically here for, right? Terry, uh, you know, you actually did kind of a better job than I would have thought on uh, the docket. So I am going to introduce our top three for Game of Thrones. It is our top three surprises of season six. We are apparently going way off book, ladies and gentlemen, but that's a good thing. Let's do it because I didn't even know what these were. So we're going to have a little fun with this. Top three surprises of Game of Thrones this season. Uh, We got to start at the top. Well, I'm going to say my number three was, and by the way, if we have any overlapping surprises then we got to talk it over so number three for me is lady mormont lady liana mormont was absolutely a big surprise of the season she was the best can you find a better 12 year old character like i think i think she's eight she's supposed to be eight in the show but like she got some titties though no, she doesn't, you pedophile. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just saying, like, when she declared for House Snow as the King of the North, what was that for you? Like, she introduced everybody, like, to what the wonder Jon Snow was. And when Jon Snow actually had to recruit her, so good. Well, wait a minute, you're combining two, so... The, the second one, I mean, the second part was underwhelming because I kind of figured it was going to happen. Was it magical? Yes. Was it amazing? Yes. Was she responsible for convincing some 60-year-old dude to suddenly um, pledge his allegiance to Jon Snow? Yeah, absolutely. But nothing was ever going to top her introduction as such a fucking badass right from the rip. John, try, John and Sansa try to sweet talk her, and she's just, like, not having any of it. She's like, I am busy. I have a kingdom to run. What the fuck do you two assholes want from me? And I don't even know who your slave in the corner is, Sir Davos, who ended up saving the day. And let's not forget who uh, Lady Mormont is descended from. Ooh, who is she descended from? Um, She is a relative of uh, Jorah Mormont, who was uh, 
Daenerys Targaryen's, you know, right-hand man. I didn't put that together until just now. Even though they mentioned it, that's right. And we're not done yet. Uh, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Yeah, the one who died and gave Jon Snow exactly. leadership. Yeah. So she is, uh, like, I mean, cut from the same cloth of those two guys, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So she's a badass little bitch as an eight-year-old. And I just love that they actually went to House Mormon and they pledged 63 warriors. It was so good. 63, who all could fight with the strength of 10 men because they all like fuck bears there. So there's like bear DNA in them. Exactly. Uh, Terry, you got a number three for us. Well, we're kind of freewheeling here, so I'm going to, like, nip this thing in the butt, and we're just going to talk about our top moments because you didn't tell me this in advance to write them down for the record, and you're just trying to freewheel. But I will say another top moment, resurrection itself. I didn't see it coming. Oh, that was I thought for sure they were going to pull the rug out from under everybody and just say fuck you to everybody. Nope, Jon Snow does not get resurrected, you internet trolls. That would have been my number one, actually, because, hey, I read all the books. Yeah, but does it happen in the books? No, actually. That's the the point. At the end of the last book, that's when he gets, gets assassinated. And his resurrection was so fucking good. It was just hyped, and I thought I they had me until the last minute. I thought, they're going to let him die. This is going to be great. They're just going to let him die. Let him die. Let him die. Fuck. But it also, it also kind of gave us Lady Melisandre's redemption slash swan song because you really don't need her after that. So I thought for sure, okay, she's the next one getting axed, but she's alive and well. Oh my god, that that would have been my number two surprise was when he, Lady Melisandre got uh, exiled. That was a surprise? Yeah, for real. Just, nah, I, it's not even on my list. It's not even on my... That was a huge moment, man. Like, Lady Melisandre, she, and my mom's like, yeah, get get that bitch the fuck out of here. And I'm just like, she saved his life. The entire time. She brought him back. And that's me. Okay. The biggest surprise, in my opinion, was the one that was the most vomit-inducing thing I've ever been a part of since Two Girls, One Cup. And that was Melisandre's transformation into that old-ass bitch. And we all had to see her old, gross tits and vagina. Why? Why did they make it like that? It could have just been the face. But no, we got full frontal old lady. But I got to give it to him. Shocked the shit out of me. Shocked me to my core. So the whatever record, they were going after, that's definitely achieved. Whatever they were going after... Like, they got an old lady who's, like, at least, like, 95 years old with some nice-ass boobs. No. Not after seeing the gorgeousness that is Lady Melisandre, who's a 39-year-old woman, by the way. God bless that lady. Are those her tits? Yeah. Oh, my God. As in she owns them, yeah. As a part of her body. Huh? As a part of her body, she owns those boobs. Because I don't. you need to do some research because Melisandre has the best boobs. Yeah, she does. She does. Who cares? Who cares? I it's do. 2016. They don't have to be real anymore. Just make them look good or else no one will go out with you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Enough, Terry. <laughs> so that was one of my big shocks. Another big shock for the season. Um, well, it was more a cute thing. I liked that Tyrion 
kind of broke down when he was offered to be the hand of the queen. I loved that. That was so good. Oh, and fuck me. The biggest shock for me, Cersei blew up everything. She killed everyone. I didn't I didn't see it coming. I didn't see that level of Cerseism happening. And by the way, you fucking idiots who just read the book and are saying Cersei and all your reviews and stuff, you're a dumbass. Whatever Jamie says, the guy who's boning her, that's what her name is. It's Cersei. But that's beside the point. That was an absolutely shocking moment. I did not see that coming. And when I saw that green, I was like, huh, what what is that? Oh my god! That is what the Mad King had under there. So Cersei is officially the Mad Queen. She is worse than the Mad King ever was. She just blew up all those people. I I thought it was time for the Sparrow to go. I thought it was time for the Queen to go. I did not think we were going to lose Tommen. Oh, Tommen was a huge loss. He was. He was the last bit of potential good, but he sealed his fate. He, he, he crossed his mother, and we all saw the cutaway. And whenever there's a cutaway in Game of Thrones, shit's going down between those two characters. Which is why I think now, I think Jamie's going to have to turn into the Queenslayer. Because she did effectively cause his last remaining child to kill himself. Now, you jumped like two levels ahead of my top three fucking surprises. Um... I'm gonna you go already ha- finished yours. Nah, bitch. You fucking... All right. Look, here's my number one surprise. Arya Stark. Oh, yeah. Fully, fully fledged assassin. Yep. By the way, she fed two men to their father. That was so good, she dude. She killed three of them, but did you see it coming? Nope. Nope, nobody saw that coming. I don't care who the hell you are. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, I saw Walder Frey, a.k.a. Argus Filch from Harry Potter. Yeah, that just, yeah. Uh, I saw him meeting, like, some kind of end by Jamie Lannister. That's what I thought. Oh, my God, when she's just, like, acting like the wench. Like, no, they're both here, my lord. So good. And when she pulls the face up, so good. And It's also wild to know that Arya can do that, assumingly without any consequence. She did offer the other... She did trade a death for a death, and so Jockin seems cool with it, but is she allowed to use those powers freely? I wonder. I think she's allowed to use the powers freely, but at the same time, like, I think she stole a face and put the waif's face in her place. I don't think so. I think she, I see, I, I think she's, she knows how to do it. You think I she wouldn't put t- it past her. Yeah, me either. But it was What so- would have been, aw- you know what would have been dope would be is if that face she used belonged to the girl she was supposed to originally kill. I thought the same thing. That would have been bad. Not the girl she was supposed to kill, but the girl who she didn't... You remember the the, the wood... No, 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 no. The would-be assassin for the theater girl. Remember when she turned... She said she couldn't do it because the theater lady was nice to her, but she said, keep an eye on that one. If it was that actress's face, that would have been sick. That would have been good. And um, actually, it's funny. Uh, we watched the show as a family. So I called my mom 20 minutes after I watched that show. And I was like, hey, do you remember when Bron talked to Jamie and said all the girls always look at him? And it was Arya wearing the face of that girl. Oh, shit, son. Yeah, it was Arya wearing the face of that girl who looked at Jamie, who was on her list of people to kill. Holy crap. Wait, Jamie's on it? I thought Cersei was. Yeah, it was Cersei Lannister. Jamie Lannister. I don't remember Jamie being on it, but that's... Oh, my God. So Arya has to kill Cersei. She's got to be the one. Exactly. I, I because mean, she'll steal that from House Tyrell, and then they'll get pissed. Although there's not a house anymore. There's just one 
super hot old lady who used to be a Bond girl, by the way. You saw that. You saw that on Reddit. Not on Reddit. I don't go on that nerd site. Well, I saw it on Reddit. She was so hot. Yeah, actually, she was the official Bond girl. She's the one who married Bond. Terry, are we talking about Game of Thrones or what? Yeah, we still are. We still are. Okay. Uh, My number one. I already said my number one surprise was Arya. My number one surprise for this season, the fleet. The fleet. Seeing the fleet at the very end of the episode. Yeah, only because I was like, oh, how far did we just skip? Whose fleet is this? Is this Tyrell's fleet because Varys is here? Is this Doran's fleet? You know, I didn't know who who she got the ships from, but I assume it's just from the Greyjoys. They right? got them, the, yeah, they got them from the Greyjoys and from the Masters of Slaver's Bay, and actually seeing them in action and refitted to like actually suit the Queen of Dragons made me shit my pants. The sails, eh, eh, it didn't do it for me. Oh, that that is my number one like coming moment. Like, I'm coming all over the floor with that shit. Like, the Targaryen flags, seeing Grey Worm on the ship, seeing fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? Theon on the ship with his sister Yara, then seeing, uh, Daenerys on that fucking headship. That's so good, man. Yeah, I mean, I was more excited when the banners. At Winterfell became Stark. Oh, I I loved that too. And By the way, I gotta give a shout out. I really liked the Ramsey character. I'm really sad he's gone. I loved the manipulation and the like, just the demonic nature of that character. But he met a great end, and the only end that was fitting for a monster like that, and for someone that I liked so much. So, it could have been it could have been worse. I was sad to see him go, but what a hell of a way to let him go and to let Sansa be the one to do it. Who, by the way, this season, two things. One, she is now officially real hot. Two, <laughs> and two, she's finally a character worth watching. Honestly, nobody cared about her until, you know, some people cared about her a lot last season when she was, like, the victim. That's not my character type that I typically follow. I like strong, revenge-driven woman. Like, that's my kind of female character, and she hit it to a T. You know who she's starting to feel like? She's starting to feel a little bit like um, the chick from Mad Max, Charlize Theron's. Like, that kind of awesome character. That kind of character you can see. And I'm wondering, my big worry for next season is, I mean... What's Littlefinger going to do? He's going to do something with that little finger. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm nah, saying? Man. You know um, that, that digit play? Yo, Terry. Yo. On the real dog, let's talk about the Battle of the Bastards real quick. Okay, that was, I am happy to. That was the best episode of television that has ever been produced. Um. No, absolutely the no. best episode of a TV show ever. You're putting that up against uh, some Breaking Bad stuff? Oh, absolutely. No. Uh, I wouldn't go there. It was it was quite it was quite good. I think I honestly think I might have enjoyed the season finale a, a little more than the Battle of the Bastards, but both both had the same director. So, yes. you knew they were both stunning from an epic scale. Yes, that was probably the hardest most difficult, biggest battle scene ever created for the television medium. No question. But the balls on this guy to then go in the next episode with that slow, creepy piano oh, that music was that was so, so foreboding. It I was so foreboding. That. I loved every second of the destruction of the Great Sept of Baylor. I loved it. Oh, my God. It. Absolutely. That was wonderful. Um... What were some of the low points of the season, do you think? What didn't you like about this season? 
it's funny that you say that because season five was an overall letdown. Am I correct in saying that? Um, that that the that season finale for people who didn't read the books, like, was earth shattering. Because uh, since the beginning, a lot of us have thought Jon Snow is going to be the guy, and to see him go down like a punk, yeah, that was really hard for a lot of us. But as a whole. No, I wouldn't say that. I think this show just keeps getting better. I'm not going to lie. I will disagree with you because season four jumped. Season five dropped. And season five took place a lot in Marine and like in Slaver's Bay. Wait a minute. Didn't season five give us the mountain battle? No, 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 no. That was season four. Yep. Easy now, guy. Easy now. Season five gave us Dorn and fucking Slaver's Bay and then fucking all that bullshit with uh, Dorn sucks. I fucking hate Dorn. If you read the books, Dorn sucks a fat dick. And in this, in season six, the finality, you actually see a resolution with Dorn. Correct? You see Varys actually approach Dorn like, we're bringing you blood and fire. Yeah. Let's, let's go. That shit was retarded in season five. Season five was garbage. It led to Cersei resurrecting the uh, the Sept and then the High Sparrow taking power and then Cersei getting dragged through the street. That was the big fucking payoff. Oh, my God. Shame. 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 Yeah, that was huge. That was that- huge in season five. That's right. You know what? You know what was good for season five? The good thing about season five is we got to see Cersei go all the way down. So it's kind of cool that we got to see her rise during this whole season. So the Cersei arc was good, and you couldn't have gotten the Cersei we have now, I don't think, without putting her through that shit she went through last year. I agree. Yeah. Also, it showed us the weakness in Tomlin, and it showed Queen Marjorie had her own thing. And it, it, Actually, that was all this season, was the Sparrow kind of taking power, wasn't it? Dude... I did not see... When Marjorie started freaking out, I was for sure that she was going to get out of that room. I love that. She that was knew. so good. She knew they were fucked. And she tried to help. And then just to see the sparrow explode into a skeleton, like Watchmen style, and his death was good. So good. Thank God. I have... Aside from Ramsey, I've never prayed for another fucking character's death. Aside from the High Sparrow. You prayed for Ramsey's death, man. He was such a good character. Um, Ramsey was the biggest asshole of all time. Cutting off penises. It was great. I loved how yeah, I, I like having an ass like a really truly bad villain in a show. And once we lost um Joffrey. Yeah, I I know that is your fucking cup of tea. There is somebody that I was gonna say Tywin. Oh, you think like someone had to replace Tywin who replaced Joffrey in a way, but was still kind of there. But Ramsey, whoo, I think dude, that dude got me through season five. That's why I enjoyed season five is because my character had the front and center. That's why. Oh, my God. Now that I go back and think about it, by the way, by the way, we also were introduced to the Night King in season five, which was an amazing fight. But yeah, I but uh, you actually and the dude saw. With the... You saw how the fucking White Walkers got made in season six. Big deal. That was kind of a letdown for me. I are get you it. are you serious? I get it. The children made them to fight the men, but oh, it's like okay. So good. I thought I thought it would have been something a little more fun. Oh, by the way, big surprise. Nobody thought that Cold Hands was going to be introduced. Dude, fuck cold hands. Why? Because I read... He's the only way that Bran survived that. Okay, I'm going to put this out there right now. If you're watching the HBO series Game of Thrones, do not read the books. They are a waste of fucking time. George R.R. Martin has 
no fucking skill as a writer of characters to, as opposed to what they do on the screen. Terry, you have not read the books, correct? Correct. So I'm going to put this out there. What George R. R. Martin is doing right now with the books makes no fucking sense. What they're doing with the show is a thousand times better. And it is so fucking good, rich, and satisfying. Well, that and the books are never going to end. That dude's going to die before he finishes them. It's not going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Like, George R. R. Martin is definitely... It's not, it's not like I'm rooting for that to happen, but that's going to happen. It is definitely going to happen. He's old as shit. His beard is longer than my dick, I hate to say. And, like, let's be real. Like, the show is better. I've read all the books. The show is better. Hush falls over the crowd. <laughs> exactly. Like, ask me about a storyline that's going on in the that's going on right now, and I'll tell you how it goes on in the books. Um, Daenerys Targaryen. She just got captured by the Dothraki. That's it. We've made the rest up. Uh, yep. How do you think it's gonna end? Um. Well, this is the last part of the section. Uh, predictions. I think Game of Thrones is going to end with uh, Jon Snow in a battle against Daenerys. Huh. Jon Snow was recently uh, revealed to be a Targaryen. I don't think they're going to fight. I think they're going to get together. Like, fuck? Yeah. Even though they are potentially... She is potentially his aunt... Yeah, they are like... But I heard another theory, which was kind of cool, which was also she is potentially his half-sister because... And I heard this online, so this is just conjecture, but um, the Mad King was known to have many horrible pregnancies. Many terrible pregnancies that affected the wives in bad ways, just like that one. So there's an off chance that he is uh, a brother and a descendant of that person instead of Rhaegon. But who would do that? Well, George would. But who would who would switch that out on us? But now we do know officially in this continuity, Ned is not the father. And I love that. And the but tower- he raised that kid. Yeah, that's, that, just, that's why man, I loved it. Ned's just the best, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I'm actually re-watching the series with my wife. And uh, uh-huh. I got to tell you, Ned Stark deserved to die. No, he didn't, you asshole. No, like, here's the thing. Think about the big picture, um, what Tywin Lannister is capable of. If you watch season one, like... Okay, so Ned is standing, is holding court, and this farmer comes up to him and says that the mountain has killed a bunch of his goats. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so he says, Gregor Clegane will be sentenced to death, and Tywin Lannister will be called to King's Landing to 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 answer for his crimes. Really? Yeah. Watch season one again, dude. He I actually gets... have been, actually, and it's weird to see all, all the kids so young. Oh, they are so young, especially Babies, jo- man. Especially Joffrey. And, Joffrey. And when you watch Ned Stark make that decree after watching season, like, three, four, five, you're just like, you have no idea what you're getting into, dude. Yeah, you have no idea who you're dealing with. So, I mean, that's why he dies. Because yeah. he, he's, he's fucking around. Now, I will say, and I have to say this. Um, we already talked about Battle of the Bastards, but I got to revisit it. Okay. <clears throat> the phalanx scene was the most oppressive scene in a show I've ever seen. All right, help me out. 
the phalanx scene where they have the the spears going through the shields. Oh, oh my god. Yes. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. <laughs> How did you fucking feel watching that, man? That was, you know, that was that was something, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> that was fucking nuts. Seriously, bro. Seriously. That was it that was truly 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 an incredible thing to see because they got out of it. How come nobody thought to look behind them a little earlier? That's all I'm saying. Like what was what why didn't they rush up that? Just cuz there were guys? It's like there's fucking shields and spears. I'd rather take the guys. Oh, it's, by the way, it's that funny one that asshole, you, it's that funny one that asshole you general that. It's funny that you say that because uh, I was watching an interview with uh, Weiss and Benioff, and they were uh, emulating the uh, the Battle of Carthage. Emulate? Yes, yes, I did watch that same interview. So good, man. Truly, 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 truly. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, our takeaway from this is, guys, if you haven't uh, started watching Game of Thrones... Terry. Start fucking watching Game of Thrones. Start at the beginning. Watch all of it. It's a beautiful, beautiful show. So good. So good. Uh, Terry, I will resume my role as the docket master. And uh, next, we're going to E3. Ooh, E3. Now, I'm on the other side of you on this one. Because I don't think shit happened that was important at E3, but... Go ahead. Go ahead. I will. I will. Um, what about God of War? Okay. I don't know. I did, that trailer was underwhelming to me. It was cool, but why didn't they give us, like, a fucking trailer? Like, I would have been more excited to see an action-packed trailer, not just... Like, and that thing should have ended as soon as he stepped out with the beard. Boom, hit me with the God of War thing. I don't need to follow a fucking deer. Here's why. Because... You know what we're not impressed by anymore? Trailers. I am. We want gameplay. Bullshit. You do not want gameplay because when we talk about your pick for E3, we're going to talk about gameplay. Yeah, but yeah, and we'll get to that. But remember, that is a company that whenever they present gameplay, it's pretty fucking cinematic and special the way they do it as they did i you think god of war like it, it was go I, ahead. Get that they, I get that they were trying to say that we're in like uh niflheim or, or whatever is that the which is important they had to show that now we're in like a winter terrain and that we're going to be dealing with all these norse gods and whatnot but um yeah man i just i i I think they could have done so much more with that and had much more build up. I just I was disappointed in cinematically how they did it. What there about the what about the last guardian? Um I did not watch the trailer for it. Because that movie or that game's been coming out for what, nine years? Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, we played uh Shadow of the Colossus together. Did we? Yeah, <laughs> we did. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. You got so upset right there, bud. I did. So, I mean, you know what the studio is capable of. I mean, there were so many letdowns at E3. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about Resident Evil 7. Again, I didn't watch because of your reaction. It was so fucking stupid. Like, I mean, it's built for virtual reality. <laughs> I mean, what is the fucking Resident Evil pedigree now? Five and six. Come on. That's not what we want in Resident Evil. We want to play, like, a fucking game that makes us worry about how many shots we have in our fucking revolver. Yeah, well, I think we want to be scared. I don't yeah. think we, we, we haven't been scared since Resident Evil 4. Let's be serious. Five and six changed it to straight-up action games. And although I love the change that they made in Resident Evil 4 to that new style of shooting, 4 still had the survival horror element that the new ones were missing. Yeah, and... Also, Wesker has turned into some sort of, like, 
crazy being, which I'm not a big fan of. I will say that um, as for as for Sony's E3 presentation, yeah, fucking God help us, um, so fucking stupid the way they handle the uh, all the VR shit. Do you actually want to play a Virtual Boy every time you play a game? No, I don't. I don't like VR. I don't want to be a part of the VR movement. It's not. It's not my thing. Now. I can understand it for other – I don't know. I just don't know if I want to play a game that way. It seems – for me, I have always liked passive gaming because I grew up with the paddles, which is – I know all of it is active from a cognition standpoint, but I don't need it to be physically active as well. You know, I don't want to turn my head left and right. I want some sticks and buttons. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you a pimp, but you ain't no pimp. This is coming from a guy who has headphones on and sunglasses primped onto his hair. Just saying, guys. Um, And I will say, from here on out, um, let us not talk about VR no more. Because that shit is not going to be the craze. It is going to end. Let's stop fucking talking about it. It is retarded. Um, Terry, let us talk about the real event at E3. Oh, you mean the event at E3 that wasn't at E3? What, Breath of the Wild was not at E3? (laughs) Why would you bury the lead? Oh, by the way, we're changing the name of the podcast. Fuck you, man. It's your fault. We have to do it. Hey, anyway. Breath of the Wild. Terry. Yeah. You have the most to say about it, motherfucker. Come on. So first of all, I'm going to give it a proper lead in because that was piss poor and you should be fired from the podcast. Now, what we what happened is something that happens once in a semi-generation. And that's when a little little company known as the big end to many but nintendo to a few releases the next legend of zelda game i'd like to point out these guys have been on fire with zelda games it is an event everyone is bigger everyone is better everyone is different with the exception of a few that follow the same mode but i'll get into that later but each time one of these comes out they pretty much promise hey We're making a new kind of Zelda. We're breaking the mold just enough to get you excited about the new thing, but we're making sure it's still a Zelda game and something to get excited for. Breath of the Wild. Just delivering... No, you can't... Don't interrupt me. Breath of the Wild just delivering the title blew away every presentation done by anyone else at any sort of E3. Just the title coming up because they know how to subtly do a cinematic sell for their video games. And then it went beyond that. It went beyond the title. It showed new skills, climbing, parachuting, sailing, and gave you all your favorite things. He's running around with the stick and swinging that. Who doesn't remember that from Ocarina Time when you get your first Deku stick? It was a big deal, completely gorgeous game. I think it was the best-looking game at E3. Wrong. That's not wrong. Easily the best-looking game at E3 from just looking at it and looking like an artist put that thing together. You know it's going to be amazing. You know it's going to be wonderful. There is a new Legend of Zelda coming. Can I talk now? Yeah, just make sure you're positive and don't say something stupid. Oh, no. I am going to be very positive. Uh, Terry, as somebody who has not played Skyward Sword. I have played Skyward Sword. Where? I haven't finished it. You got to finish it. Because Skyward Sword basically uh, marks a point in video gaming where Zelda reaches its zenith. It's so fucking good. Now, I am actually skeptical about Breath of the Wild. Can you believe that? No, I can't. It looks incredible. It looks amazing. 
it looks like everything you've ever wanted in a video game. Since the first cartridge you put in your NES was Legend of Zelda. Yeah. How how the fuck can we top Skyward Sword? Easily. Go back to the handheld hand paddle it's my only gripe with skyward sword i get it it became a new function and it was great but um i i want to play with the with the controller i just want to play with the controller you know and i'm sure they'll think of some way to like integrate that where if you want to play that way you can and that's great and i'm all for that and it did lead to a new play mechanic but nothing blew my mind like legend of zelda 64 ocarina of time which was in a paddle, and just that felt the best to me. The way that game played felt the best in my hands, and that's the point. It was in my hands. And I'd love to go back to that, and I'm just so excited. So how many minutes of Breath of the Wild footage have you watched? All of them. I have watched eight minutes. Okay. That was the uh, introductory trailer when they introduced the name. Mm-hmm. That That is the only thing I have watched, and that is the only thing I will watch. It's stunning. It's amazing. It is so good, and I'm not going to cheapen it. Not going to cheapen it for myself and my play experience. Um, I don't care what he can do. I want to find out for myself. That's it. And I agree with you when it comes to uh, Skyward Sword, when it comes to the motion controls, because that shit was so ugly. And it got worse as you got through the game. But I will say right now that if you play with the Wii U controller, I just do not want them to fuck around with it like they did with Star Fox. I think it's a different game. I don't think it applies to that. I'm sure we'll be shooting arrows through that thing. I fucking hope not, man. I'm sure we will be. I can I can guarantee it. All right. Uh, but, any- but you never know because it has to port to NX. <sighs> you know what the, I mean? Whatever the fuck that is. Yeah. We'll find out soon enough. Um. So anything else from E3? No. What God about? of War 4 was really the only thing that kind of piqued my attention. Yeah, uh, this past E3 was so fucking ugly. It was by so- the way, by the way, just like, you're making games, guys. Like, get off your fucking pedestal. You're not all Steve Jobs. You don't all need to, like, walk out in front of this giant screen and talk to your nerds like you're important and have... No material. You're not comedians. You're barely CEOs, guys. You do not have the chops to lead a room like that, and a lot of you need to learn how to do that. One giant exception. Actually, and even this host was a total dork, and I didn't like him, but he knew who Reggie. to bring out. No. God damn it. No. But he knew who to bring out. He brought out. Trey Parker and Matt Matt Stone, Stone, my two big heroes, to show us new footage and crack us up over their new game, The Fractured But Whole. (laughs) That was so good, too. The way they they were fucking awesome. Yeah, I like that Trey was making jokes about, like, um, that Marvel Civil War originally wanted that title, but they already had it, so they they couldn't take it. Yeah. In that and that game trailer was clutch, man. That game trailer was so, that's how you do a fucking game trailer. Nobody saw that that was gonna be the South Park game when they dropped it. You thought Ubisoft? Okay, this is kind of looking a little bit like Splinter Cell. Nope, <laughs> motherfucker. You uh, you did not play the original, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, all right. Well, fine. Fuck you. Um, no, it started with like newspapers and like a heavy voiceover, you <laughs> dumbass. Nobody could have seen what that was. I forgot. Yeah, you did. Just tried to make a joke anyway. See, <laughs> you're like one of those E3 people. Leave the jokes to the professionals, okay? Oh, but when you actually... <laughs> no, for the, for the record, 
Like, the E3 presentations were so fucking cringeworthy. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. They were like, they come out and they'd be like, except for, uh, you know, the guys from my homeland, Poland, CD Projekt Red with Gwent, the Witcher card game. Uh, that's too nerdy for me. I can't go there. Fine, fuck you. Um, Terry, uh, what's your number three favorite book of all time? Wow. Um, mine are going to be boring. Wait, are we doing fiction only? We no. should probably should. No, no. Any favorite book? Hang on, we got to pause real quick. Sorry, guys. Terry has AIDS. I'm cutting that from the show. Like HIV AIDS. Ready? Three, two, one. Yeah, I'm talking uh, any book. Um, Let's see. I had many books that were important to me. Probably The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss is probably number three. I think I've read that book more than any other book and revisited it, and it certainly informed my life and came along at a time when I needed it. So, yeah, that's probably that's probably a good one. Fucking Tim Ferriss. He's the best. I love him. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Um, he's also, like, notorious for spamming Amazon. Spamazon? Yeah, we love that, don't we? I thought uh, he wasn't allowed on Amazon. Oh, well, not anymore. No, it wasn't Amazon. It was uh, Barnes & Noble, I think. One of the one of the big book dealers didn't... No, no, no. It's because he did Amazon that the other book dealers pulled out. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, For Our Body is a great fucking book. Yeah. I like all his books. He has three books out right now and rocks the number one podcast in the world. You think his podcast is good? No, that's literally what it is. It's the number one downloaded podcast that there is. It's number one. I was, go- I was gonna say like our podcast is better. So no, it's not. <laughs> no, yes, it's have- not. He gets to inter- he gets to interview awesome people. I gotta talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Come on, the fans are gonna love that one. <laughs> Who the walked fuck did- right into it. That was like that was like me pulling a bunch of leaves over like a hole that I have a net over and yeah, watching well, who- you just fall right into it. Who the fuck does Tim Ferriss get to interview? Like everyone. Katy Perry? Like Jamie Like Jamie Foxx and like Peter Thiel. Fuck like Jamie Foxx! Fuck Jamie Foxx! Fuck Peter Thiel! We're both faggots. They invented the products that were. (laughs) Not done yet. Well, you just dropped that word on our podcast, so. Yeah, I got a couple other ones I'm ready to drop, too. Go ahead. Keep listening, everybody. Anyways, uh, my number three book, uh, I think, is The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. I don't know it. Yeah, you probably don't. Um, it's this uh, basically alternative uh, fantasy universe that's kind of like Harry Potter, except way better. Oh, that's uh. So where is its um nine picture deal? You know what? I don't know where <laughs> it is, but he, Patrick Rothfuss deserves one. Anyways, Terry, what's your number two, you motherfucker? That's all you're going to say about your number three. Really? Yeah, that's all you're going to say. You call yourself a podcast host? I'm a co-host. Give me, give me, give me two, <laughs> give me two reasons why you enjoy it. Um, why should the- our listeners read it? Or, as I do to most of my books, listen to it. Okay. I'll give you that. Um, the protagonist family 
was a incredibly skilled group of musicians and they were murdered by a you know group of supernatural demons and this guy raises himself up learns the art of magic and the art of magic in this book is a little bit different than you might think it's called sympathy and it's basically two things that are alike are sympathetic to one another picture two rubber suction cups and i am bringing two rubber suction cups up to terry's face putting them together they would be sympathetic to one another then this guy becomes so skilled in the art of sympathy that he not only while investigating his parents murder that he is one of the most skilled sympathizers in the entire school and that is the first book sounds like that gay video game you were playing with the girl who's like trying to figure out who raped their friend or whatever that shit wasn't gay fuck you uh here's reason two why you might want to read that book uh, reason two is that it is incredibly well written by a gentleman who is a big fan of fantasy novels, and he is incredibly skilled at building characters. Do you really have to actually yawn? Like, right in front of my fucking face? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I totally did. Fine, what's your number uh, two? My number two is the novelization of the movie <laughs> Push, based on a novel by Sapphire. <laughs> is there really? <laughs> no. I was going to say, I just is think there it would, really? I just, think it would, I just think it would be funny to read the novelization of Precious, which in itself is based off the novel Push by Sapphire. Why, now, Carrie? Let's see. My number two, uh, I'm going comics because I have to. Those are my that's, those are my books, man. Um, my number two is going to be Kingdom Come. Wow. Which is written by Mark Wade and illustrated. And it's the illustrations that are a big part of why this is such a monumental book. Uh, illustrated by the wonderful Alex Ross. I don't think the story works without them being drawn and painted no, in the not. light that they are because it makes you it informs the piece as being something of a serious nature and that we're supposed to hold these heroes in high regard i think it's also the only future versions of the characters that are enjoyable and seem like yeah that would be them you know like there's the injustice side of things no terry i do evil know. and there's the kingdom come which is like yep that is what would happen. Superman would probably turn his back after seeing this. Well, let me explain the premise of the story. Goliath, the story right? is there's the. The story who, who, is. I'm not done can, yet. Can I, can I get to it? Can I right. get to it? Yeah, go ahead. The, the story is the people are and new heroes are coming into town and they're getting tired of the ways that bats superman and wonder woman kind of run the show they don't like that the people for example aren't killed until this new guy shows up named magog magog, and magog is a killer is a cold-blooded killer who i believe finally kills the joker and basically the chain reaction is set off that the public of the world now is like, yeah, we should have killed the Joker a long time ago. You guys clearly don't know what you're doing. And Superman, for a while there, it's implied that he's like trying to win the public back. And there ends up being a showdown between him and Magog, which he kind of loses. And what he does is he kind of holds himself off and leaves all of it and basically says if these are your new heroes take them fine and what happens is it gets increasingly violent we don't know what happens to batman and wonder woman until later but but they essentially throw in the towel too and magog becomes the new 
leading force of superheroes, and it's a lot more violent and a lot more, um, I wouldn't exactly call it just anymore in the old Justice Society or Justice League. And um, eventually, there's such bloodlust out there and so much killing that the Earth is suddenly put into danger. And the only way to stop it is to get Superman and everybody else out of retirement. And what goes along is a wonderful story. But it's set about, I think, 30 or 40 years in the future. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful story of friendship and love and finding out who you are and who you're supposed to be and reconnecting between the three most powerful people in the world. Specifically, and I, I read an interesting article, and this is kind of poignant because a lot of people are saying if Zack Snyder adapted this storyline instead of Dark Knight Returns, it might have made for a better Batman v Superman movie because there was bigger reasons for them to be on opposing sides of an equal. And I, as much as I loved Batman v Superman, I also... Um, can see some of the points he was making. If you wanted a more serious tone, but still with that kind of level of joy and where the heroes were against killing, that would have been it. By so the way, it's interesting. Guys, it's a wonderful uh, read. Terry is uh, the only person in America who liked Batman v Superman. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It's an amazing movie. It's just for comic book people, and everyone else can fuck off. I love that about it. All right, Terry. What? Tell me I'm wrong? Oh, yeah. We'll save that for another podcast because I don't think you have the capacity right now to challenge me. Oh, absolutely not. Um, For the record, uh, let's go to your number two book. That was my number two book. What's my number two? I don't know. <laughs> Your turn. Guys, my number two is Infinite Jest. Do you know about it, Terry? What is Infinite Joust? Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Um, it's an incredible book. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. What? Yeah, for real. Um... I cannot begin to talk about that book without spending about, like, at least 45 minutes talking about it. So you don't have one, like, takeaway of why maybe I should pick it up and give it a read? Would I like it? Uh, no, you'd hate it. Why? It's about 1,200 pages long, um... I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and it's just, like, staring at me. Um, about 200 pages are dedicated to the back, and they, like, are footnotes for the rest of the book. Hmm. Sounds riveting. <laughs> Does it have a main character? Um, Twelve. Twelve main characters? Yeah. You're looking it up right now. No, I'm not. But I should be. I'm just kind of more like, huh, I don't know any story that has twelve main characters. Other than the Bible. Oh, that's my number one, dude. Um, Let's talk about the Bible real quick. Um... You know, Jesus wrote the Bible, and when he wrote it, like, dude, um, there was this one time that Jesus, like, tripped over a mushroom and, like, landed flat on his face, like, in a pile of cow shit, and he was just like, dude, that shit was the burning bush, man. Okay. I'm going to take control of this podcast because clearly I need to. Uh, we're going to go on to number one, and you're going to hate mine because I think my number one, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I think my number one is The Batman. Giver. Hush. No, I hated The Giver. Fuck that book. Why? Mine was another comic. I loved Batman Hush, man. That I can't think of something I want to read or think about more 
other than that book. I mean, it had everything I wanted. I know. I know. But it's true. Like, it really had a profound effect on me. And that's the one, like, if I'm being honest with myself, I have a copy of that on everything I own. Any sort of Kindle or any device like that, like, I, I, it's on there just in case I want to read it. So if I do it that way, I'll go with that. I think that, uh, I think that is my number one. Close second, uh, probably The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. What the fuck, man? Oh, The Places You'll Go, man. No, what about... God damn it. What about The Giver? I hate that book. Tell me what your problem with The Giver is. I don't think it's written well is my main problem with The Giver. I don't think it's written well. I don't think it comes to the reader well enough. The depiction of color versus colorless. I think they leave uh, way too much to the imagination. It's just like, why are you putting this on me? author you think and tell me what it's supposed to look like and uh, it doesn't have much of a payoff for me and i feel like it really could have i know it's one of the most beloved books ever like really really how dare you is that your number one i like uh, the giving tree by shell silverstein tree, that's, that's a great book and yeah, it's pretty good it's sad oh no Breaks you hot. Fucking. You don't like The Giver? No. I think it's Lois Lois Lowry won the Newbery Medal for that book. Why? Because The Giver. The world without color would be terrible. What's this red color? Oh no, I'm bleeding. Stupid. Listen, that's the way I want society to be colorless and everybody being told exactly what to do. You only watched the movie. No, I didn't. I actually haven't seen the movie. I read the book for school just like you did. Shit, we were in the same fucking English class when they gave us that book, TJ. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. We were, Mr. Tomb. Tome. Oh, bullshit. That dude was such a pussy. How dare you? He was. Nice man. Yeah. He's a- <laughs> <laughs> Terry. Yeah. <laughs> nice man. <laughs> I don't have I, I do not have a number one book. Fuck what all the this. Fuck, this was your idea. You have to have a number one. Oh. Okay. Um the Bible does not count, right? Right. Because I know it's not true for you. Okay. Um, let's talk about motherfucker. Lord of the Ver... No. Um, Orange is the... No. Fucking... 50 shit. Fuck. You're um, bombing. If we were on stage right now, you'd be bombing. Yeah, I'd be shitting my pants. Um... Let's talk about The Stranger. Like the sex move? No. The Stranger. It's about, Go a ahead. Guy, it's about a guy who goes to the beach. It's very short, actually. Um, guy goes to the beach, uh, accidentally kills um, some Muslim dude. And Good. he... Terry, don't. <laughs> not here, not now. He kills Not him. in front of Scary Randy. <laughs> <laughs> scary Brandon. <laughs> yeah. So he kills some Muslim dude, and then he's put on trial uh, for murder. And they ask him, his lawyer asks him... Uh, did you cry when your mother died? And the guy's like, no. And they basically find him guilty and he gets killed because he has a lack of emotions. Yes. The stranger, my favorite book of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love well, my that's mother. It. I just, 
I love my mother very much. She's a great woman, but at the same time, if you are found guilty by a court of law um, for not loving somebody, not cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not, uh, not- so our first podcast back was a disappointment. <laughs> so How I'm fucking right with dare you? I'm right there with you guys. We will uh, we'll get better. We'll keep practicing. We promise. But we will keep bringing that nerd news. We're not going anywhere near books again. I'll tell you that much. And um, yeah, books are for faggots. Okay. And now I have to debate whether or not I'm actually going to put this podcast on the air. Say good night, TJ. <laughs> hey. Good night, guys, and once again, piss in my mouth. Welcome back.